from here to there. We cannot go unless we change and start to grow. Welcome to Lead, Sell, Grow, a show that helps you amplify your leadership, grow your sales, and take your life to the next level, all while being human. Here are your hosts, Eric Konovalov and Harry Spate. Eric, today we have with us uh, a great individual by the name of Daniel Ramsey. Daniel and I had a conversation a few weeks back and I thought he'd be an awesome guest for our show. Uh, so what I liked about Daniel is that uh, not only is he bright and fun, intelligent, gets my jokes and all the good stuff, he is an entrepreneur. Uh, and over the years, Dan realized that he was spending way too much time doing tasks and the necessary evils of administrative work and he was looking for a better way. Thus, in 2008, uh, he formed a company called My Outdesk, and that was founded uh, with a vision to provide small companies and larger ones as well with the ability to leverage through virtual professionals and aid them in regaining time and freedom, which allows small business owners to focus on what they do best, which is taking care of their clients and growing. So with us today, Daniel Ramsey, welcome to the show. Harry, thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Awesome. So Daniel, tell us about this uh, realization that you had back in the uh, mid-2000s that you just couldn't do it all alone. Well, I, I mean, it really happened during my honeymoon. So I'm in, and I'll paint the picture for the audience. I'm in Guatemala in the rainforest. There's literally monkeys flying around. <laughs> We're in bungalows, so it's a Francis Ford Coppola resort. So nice. great wine, great resorts, like bungalows up in the trees. Like it really was majestic. There's this huge lake overlooking it, and we'd been there a couple of days, and I found myself at the bar at one in the morning, literally working. And the, the, the bartender takes my phone and starts making fun of me in Spanish. <laughs> stupid white guy you know what is he doing beautiful bride he, he knew us we'd been there a couple of days he's like your bride's back in the in the bungalow why are you here what's wrong with you you know and uh really it was that moment that I knew something had to change I owned a business um but the business really owned me and well, you know, in that moment, everything shifted for me. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to stay married. I wanted to really own a business, um, not be a highly paid employee. So I came back, refocused energy and efforts and started building and scaling a business that didn't actually need me. And that's really when we went all in in the virtual world and started hiring bunches and bunches of people. Today, we've served 6,000 different businesses and been in been around for 13 years yeah that's amazing wow. so, uh your struggles of trying to do all that on your own and uh your wife obviously is probably the most patient person in the world thank uh, goodness wondering where you were in the middle of the night yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. at the bar honey just got a few calls i need to make yeah and and that's the reality of if you're a, a leader um a CEO, even if you're a, you know, VP of sales, if you are in a position of leadership, you know, you, you have to juggle and you have to work. And, and sometimes that means giving up weekends and evenings. The problem was that doesn't, that I, I didn't understand that that isn't the right way to work. Yeah. It isn't the right way to do it. And so, 
yeah, that's I, I think why we're a here. A lot of us struggle with that. Um, Eric, I don't know if that's true with you, but I remember taking vacations and constantly uh, receiving texts or phone calls or emails and feeling like everything needs to be done. I cannot take any time off. And, you know, this, this uh, email, my life depends or someone's life depends on it and I have to answer and uh, the world will be a safe place then. So those oh, are all yeah. the crazy things going through my mind. Eric, were you similar like that or? Yeah, even on vacation, as you're, as you're talking about it, even on President's Club trips, you know, in sales, <laughs> I'm like, I got my phone with me at the bar. Like, yeah. Probably not the best time to respond to emails after uh, all you can drink tequila, you know. Right. <laughs> right. So the emails are a little more creative. Maybe the spell check's not working as well. But Scott, so do you see this as a pretty common issue? Is that maybe sometimes owners uh, and executives just don't know when to step away? I, it's interesting and I'm pausing because it's not that they don't know when to step away, but what they don't know is how to build systems and processes in order to really grow and scale. And so that's the piece that I, I struggled with. That's the okay. piece that I, I was a helicopter delegator. You know, you've heard of helicopter moms, moms right? Yes. Always looking around and like making sure their kids are doing whatever they're supposed to. But I was a CEO who was a helicopter delegator, meaning okay. I was stand over. I'm like, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? And what it was, and it's a very simple process. I didn't know how to pull my knowledge out of my brain and then impart it to the organization in a way that would help us grow and scale. I knew how to tell somebody what to do. I knew how to help them win, but I didn't know how to build like systems and processes. And so, you know, after my honeymoon, um, I came back. I was really motivated. I wanted to stay married and have a family and, and grow a business. So um, that's what people need support around. Daniel, how do people, like at what point does somebody, you know, kind of look around and say, oh my God, I need Daniel. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need my out desk to help me here. Yeah. No, it's a good question. Um, so if you're, you find yourself in a space where you're working nights and evenings, if you find yourself not going to the gym, not spending weekends uh, with your family and you're working, and if you're dropping balls, that's, that's probably the best time. But we help people you know, build sales, admin, and marketing teams with virtual professionals. We call them virtual professionals, not virtual assistants, because we have a higher level of kind of screening and, and expectations when it comes to talent. And so 100%, um, what we help people do is find leverage so they can buy some of their time back. That's awesome. And so do you have an office? Like what's your screening process like? Talk to me about your, tell us about your company. Yeah. So we're, we're in the Philippines and uh, we have 1,200 full-time employees working for multiple different businesses across the U.S. and Canada. Um, we're incorporated over there. So we have a full staff, CPA, attorneys. We pay the government taxes. You know, we're like a legitimate company. So our virtual assistants actually can be in relationship with us where it's like a legal thing. And we have a contract with them, just like we do with our customers and our clients, right? So there's a level of protection that we provide, as well as we have technology that also helps 
um, kind of manage 1,200. I mean, think about it. We have 1,200 people every morning that sign in at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, depending on their schedule. And we have technology that tracks them. So we know when they signed on, you know, where they signed on from, what their internet speed was, what websites they went to. And all of that is housed inside of our client portal for our clients so that they can actually have access to the data and know that their people are being productive. So, um, yeah, I mean, our, our company is fully uh, built to support CEOs, entrepreneurs as they need help leverage, in leverage or buying their time back. So a lot of our, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be your coaches and consultants, mm -hmm. right? And those guys are, they're bogged down quite a bit with the, I would say lead generation is probably their most painful point like they're they're probably really good at coaching and consulting but not that great at finding new new business opportunities yeah what does that relationship look like if they were to reach out to my out desk yeah there's a couple areas that we help um, coaches and consultants um, my favorite story is we have a, a a gentleman his name's Nolly Williams he's in Texas and he's he's a black guy and he wears this huge big cowboy hat and so he he lives in Austin and we became friends maybe 15 years ago and I always chased him I was like dude you're a speaker trainer author coach come on what like we serve you right mm -hmm. and uh, so it took many many years and he has a software company and he does a lot of speaking around the, the country and he lost somebody inside of his company so Nolly, he, he lost like a lead person inside of the company. So Nolly calls me finally and says, hey, I lost somebody for my technology company. I, I kind of need your help. I know you guys do this. And it wasn't until he had pain that he, he stepped forward. But we now, we, we basically, is, we've helped him triple his technology company with customer service and support. Um, we also manage all of his schedule. So when he flies somewhere although not a lot of people are flying, whenever he does a virtual event now or does any kind of speaking, we organize his entire um, process. And, you know, there's like, I think he told me one time there's like 137 steps that has to get done every time he speaks at a conference or something. And like literally from booking the plane to the hotel to making sure everybody has a free gift to getting his slide decks ready, you know, like all of the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And our virtual assistant handles all of that as well as just answers the phone for him and calls around and get books, actual speaking gigs. So, you know, first you have to have some pain point, something in your business that you're like, okay, I need help. I definitely need help. And then it's about organizing the process and system so that you can delegate that thing away, whether it's lead generation, marketing, admin or operation stuff or customer support, we can figure out what you need or what needs to kind of change in your business so that you can hire a virtual assistant. Man, that's pretty yeah. cool. What business were you running when you decided to go this route? I was a real estate guy, man. I loved it. I, I was a developer. Um, you know, we, I started out as a real, residential real estate guy got a mortgage license, then got a con uh, contractor's license, then started developing property. And I drive my wife crazy, even to this day. You know, we've been married, what is it, 11, 12 years now. 
Um, and every time there's an open house in my neighborhood, I stop. I'm like, babe, just give me five minutes. I want to just come through and check it out. And it drives her crazy because I just liked looking at real estate stuff. Um, but yeah, I was a real estate guy and, you know, I was growing and I was, a lot of balls were dropping and I needed help and I had a huge team and I just didn't know how to train somebody. I didn't know how to build SOPs and SOPs, standard operating procedures. I didn't know how to build a training library. I didn't know how to delegate and build systems and tools. And so, you know, I've got a really great education over the last 13 years, helping others do it. And so that's been kind of a passion for me is just helping people figure out how they can double their business or really scale it or really grow it. You know what I like about your business model is the fact that I think if, um, if there was a problem with someone in the Philippines, people can call you, you're here in the States and have a normal conversation. I got to tell you, I, you know, when I first started the goal guide, my company, Mm -hmm. I was doing like, you know, I got into these funnels. I have a book and I wanted to do the free book and plus yeah. all that. And um, I hired this marketing guy here. Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, we're going to set up this funnel for you. Everything's going to be great. It was the most horrendous thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I think what he went on He like, I think he took my money, went on Fiverr, hired somebody <laughs> probably somewhere overseas from Fiverr because that's what it looked like. Stuff was misspelled. The graphics were horrible. It wasn't even high resolution stuff, just not professional work. And that was a lesson learned for me. But, but what you're saying is these are your full-time employees. It's not just some guy right. one-off that you have no idea who it is. You've vetted them. How do you guys vet them? I love what you're saying. We, what, what you just described, we call it hitchhiking in somebody else's car. So if as an entrepreneur, you'll listen, I'm crazy. And if you're <laughs> listening right now, this is, this is definitely a huge point. I have seen so many people hitchhike in somebody else's car and think they're the smartest people in the world. And then they end up getting into an accident down the road like you had, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is if, if it's important to you, You've got to do the work. You've got to figure out the system and process. And in our world, you know, you asked, how do you, how do you vet somebody? If you wanted a funnel, a marketing assistant, we would actually literally go to the Philippines and find somebody who has five, 10 years of experience building funnels, meaning that's the job. That's mm -hmm. the role, right? And so we look for marketing people, admin, salespeople, customer support people, we don't hire somebody thinking maybe I'm going to mold them, you know, like my four-year-old does with Play-Doh. You're not going to transform somebody or teach them how to do something. We look for somebody who has a, a track record, a proven track record of doing an outcome like building funnels or like making sales calls or like being an operations person. Mm -hmm. And then we just have them come and be an operations person for you. And that's, that's what's different about our system. That's what's different about our process. I bet that person, that marketing company probably did just go on five, you know, like yeah. that literally is a business model in the marketing world, which is drives me crazy. But that's a, that's an example of hitchhiking in somebody else's car. It, uh -huh. You'll, it's, it's, it's no bueno. Yeah. As my watermelon bartender <laughs> would say. <laughs> Uh, you know, so one of the things I was thinking about uh, reviewing your website is that you cover a wide range of tasks that, you know, businesses need, right? So whether yeah. it be administrative, whether it be 
sales and marketing, SDRs, um, or sales development reps. Yep. Um, you know, so one of the things that I've done in my past is that I've used companies uh, that begin with you uh, and F and, you know, trying to find individuals. And I spend a lot of time, you know, just trying to vet people myself, you know, you're, I mean, spending hours talking to people, yeah. trying to figure out if this is the person, you know, then you've got hours scheduling different. So you're sending a message at, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, you're getting a response at 4 a.m. or whatever, right? It's just yep. the hours are so vastly different. So yep. instead of doing it on our own, which a lot of small businesses have tried, and like Eric, myself, um, how can you put people's mind at ease who have a small business today and say, this sounds all great, but my experience has not been great with other um, companies per se? Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm going to describe our business and then compare them to Upwork, Freelancer. You know, there's a whole bunch of companies out there and what I call them is dating sites. Okay. Like they put a profile up, you've got your profile and then you're in charge of trying to find a match, right? And yeah. we've had clients come in like I hired eight people and they all sucked yeah. and I got one person from you and it's been amazing and now it's been seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. The idea of you know, uh, a project, if you have a project or if you have a one-off or if you have a certain item that has to be done or thing that has to be done, I love those sites. I use them myself. Mm -hmm. um, but if you need an employee or if you need an outcome hit or if you need a team member, that's, we're a marriage site. That's, that's, that's our equation. We're okay. a strategic consultant with our customers to figure out, hey, what's the next best step and I say consultant, not a coach, because we don't stick with you. We actually literally will come in, determine, hey, who do you need on your team right now in order to double, grow, scale, you know, remove that pain point, help you win that contract, whatever it is. Um, and then we give you leverage. And then we're in a relationship with you and we help you. We're your back end. We're like a, we're your HR staff, we're your payroll people, and we just help the relationship be successful throughout you know the time that you need that outcome so that that's how their their dating site were a marriage mm -hmm. site that's kind of how right. i explain it yeah makes perfect sense so if uh i'm a small business owner and i'm struggling doing this all on my own and like what we spoke about do the statistics show that i even know about companies like you um, you know, what's interesting. So I like helping everybody understand the business landscape. So 96% of the 28 million businesses in the U S are under a million dollars in revenue. So 96%, that's a huge number. The vast majority of businesses are under a million dollars in revenue. And why do companies get above a million dollars? Well, it's systems and process. And so I, what we do is we go through a consultation with our customers where we explain, hey, who's on your team? What, is the, what are your tools? Like, what does your tech stack look like? Um, and then what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what would, you, what would it look like if, you know, in 12 or 24 months, you doubled your business? You went from 500 to a million. You went from million to two. And we, we do that process. It's, it's called a consultation with us. 
and we'll go through and say, hey, who's on your team? What are your big pain points? What do we need to change about your business? If you all of a sudden landed that big client, could you service them? I mean, that's the other piece. Companies all the time, they're after sales and there's a retention piece with your customer retention piece that's really important to focus on at some point in your revenue um, journey. So, Absolutely. we're just helping people understand who they need on their team through a consultation. And, uh, and at the end of the consultation, I'll give you an example. I sat down with a, a CEO. He has $300 million in revenue. 5,000 employees, and this process that we go through, it's the same whether you're a million dollar brand new company and you know, you're trying to grow and scale or you're a $300 million company and you've kind of arrived, like they're a national player, it's really cool. He still had challenges, he still had op obstacles, he still needed to figure out who he needed on his team. These principles are universal. And so we're just, we're, our, our job is to be of service to our customers and our clients and figure out like, hey, your first step is here, your second step is here, and then you're ready to hire a virtual assistant. And that's when we can help. And so that's, that's kind of our process. Daniel, help me understand. So you got into real estate right after college, is that correct? Uh, no. So I was brainwashed, you know, as an entrepreneur. Um, I thought, get, go to college get a degree. I have a business degree um, in finance. And, and then, you know, everybody said, oh, get a good job. And so I worked for Barclays Global Investors as a um, fund accountant. I covered like mutual funds and country funds for Barclays. And I got a, you'll love this story. I got a 1.3% raise my third year in. And I just looked at my manager and I said, hey, inflation is 3% this year, just to be clear. And, and all you're doing right now is telling me that I should leave. And if you give me this one, 1.3%, you know, raise, I have to basically give you my resignation. And he's like, this is the best we can do right now. And the reality is they hired us. Um, I got hired during the, during the um, tech drop in 2000, you know, so the tech drop and a lot of people were unemployed, you know, business world was crazy. And so literally they could stop paying me the 60 grand that I was and get a brand new person for 40. And we would, we weren't that, I was two, three years out of college. They could get a college guy for 40. So they'd save, you know, a bunch of money. So they wanted me to leave literally. So uh, that's when I started the real estate thing after that job. Gotcha. I'm just curious. Yeah. The, like some of the pitfalls and mistakes you've made when you first oh. started a company internationally, oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, I'm like, I can see the stuff, the mistakes we make. And when I'm here local, like, what were some of your pitfalls? What is it that like, you wish you mm. knew back then that you know now? Oh, man. Um, I remember I hired a marketing person and I really, she was bright, hardworking, had a good heart. And we hired her for a management role. And I made the mistake of thinking she could manage. Um, and she, it was like, I thought she would be okay, but she didn't have that experience, right? She never had managed a team before. She never really driven revenue. And her, her role was a marketing manager, drive leads, right? That's, that's a marketing manager's job. So, um, you know, I'm, that was a great experience. I, I hired somebody who'd never been a marketing manager before 
and then asked her to be a marketing manager and drive revenue. And when she didn't know how, we, you know, we did a little bit of clashing and I lost her as an employee and she was a great employee. She was, but I had given her an opportunity and she just wasn't hitting the mark on the opportunity. So instead of having a frank conversation about how much I loved her, want her to stay on the team, but this role, she wasn't the right person for this role. Um, you know, that was, that's been one of my best lessons as a leader to really hire somebody who's done it before and really, you know, had success. And if they're a leader, they've always been a leader and they've always risen in an organization to that role. And so that's one of my best lessons that I've ever had. Um, How did you even start out? Like, did you just fly out there and said, hey, oh, you great know, question. put a flag in the ground or how, like, so you had the idea, walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. So um, literally, <laughs> you'll laugh at this story. I hired a marketing- Take notes, like, Harry, we're going to go to Thailand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. Let's, I'll go with you. I hear it's beautiful. I've never been. So um, no, so here's what happened. I'm, I'm a real estate guy. It's 2006 and I'm doing really, really well because the market was just nuts then. And then 2007, I needed to rebrand because the, the financial crisis hits, you know, the great recession comes and I need to go after, you know, investors and, and a different brand of customer, right? And so I wanted to redo our logo, redo our website, redo business cards and basically rebrand our company to serve this distressed market that just overnight popped up, literally overnight. Um, and so... I, I literally called a marketing company, paid them $1,000 to come up with some logos and some branding stuff and all this, and then found a virtual assistant. And she's like, oh, I could do that. And I'm like, really? You, you know how to do that? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I like to play in design. And I'm like, how'd you learn? Oh, I taught myself how to do it. And so for free, in like an interview process, she put out better branding than this company that I paid a thousand dollars to. They were a pain to work with. And she's like, I have this other idea and this other idea. And then I was like, hey, who do you know? I, I, I wanna hire you, I wanna hire your friends. Like, how do we get in, how do, how do you come work for me? And she's like, well, I've already got someone, but I have a friend from church. And literally that friend from church was Julie, my first virtual assistant and she was just smart, hardworking, cared. Um, and then another friend of mine. So my outdesk was an accident. You'll love this. I had a need. I had a need. I had a need. I needed business cards. And then I needed to buy some of my time back. And then a friend of mine was at a conference and said, hey, Daniel, I know you're doing this outsourcing thing. Could you help me do it? And I was like, yeah, 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 but I got to charge you something because it's really hard and, you know, interviewing, you got to interview 20 to get one and there's a whole process that has to go. He's like, yeah, 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 charge me. And so literally, uh, April of 2008, we got our first check because my friend hired five virtual assistants and literally because he was like, yeah, 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 just charge me. And so my outdesk was born. And that guy, actually, it's a funny story. That guy, he ended up hiring 17 people. We shaved $100,000 a month off of his operating expenses, you know, because he had employees. He converted a bunch of his people to revenue generation people. So people who were doing administrative work, 
he gave them an opportunity to sell and or help market. And we took those jobs and then we had a blended model, which is what we help companies do is like, don't get rid of your people, just upscale their business, like upscale the value that they're bringing to the business. Let them love on clients. Let them bring more clients. Let them foster more referrals. Let them go after business that you've been trying to go after, but you haven't had time to. And then let us take the busy work away from you. And so he, he ended up having a really successful run with us and he's still a client today. Yeah. Wow, that is a- really interesting. Yeah. The, uh, you know, so this is this concept just, I have to touch on something. So, these jobs that people have had, I mean, what's your feeling about the uh, administrative jobs that may go away and you're giving the same people opportunities to do something that maybe they're just not feeling they were cut out to do? Um, what's your thought on that first? Well, you know, there's been a huge technology push, right? CRMs are going to get smarter. You know, phones are going to be more automated. You know, sure. funnels are going to become bought people, right? You know, mm-hmm. so what, what's interesting is um, the thing that never goes away is loving on your clients. Um, and I like to call it loving on your clients, like telling them how much you care for them, how much you want to be in the fight with them. Um, people, as you're growing and scaling a business, that piece of, of really just adding value is what we call the CEO mindset. Um, our job as a CEO is to add value to your dot, dot, dot. Add value to your employees. Add value to your customers. Add value to your vendors. I mean, who doesn't want to help their best vendor grow their business, right? right. Yeah. Because that vendor then will look at you like an indispensable partner. And so our world, my, my entire world is in service to our customers, employees, vendors, everybody that we um, come in contact in the mod family. Right. And so I don't think um, jobs are going to necessarily go away, but I think the client interaction, really loving on clients, that stuff is going to be the primary focus as technology continues to kind of change the world that we're in. I mean, right. I have a marketing guy. You'll love this. We're, we just had a company dinner outside for the first time. Hey. In like six months, right? We went to a restaurant. It was all outdoors. Um, we all got to break bread and have a meal together. It was really fun. Um, you're in California, right? In California. So we're crazy in California. It's been yeah. locked down, locked down. Right. Like nobody's open, you know, like locked down. We, I, I, I got a haircut, you know, f- you know, in our backyard for the last <laughs> six months because you just can't go to a salon, right? Um, well, and I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But um, we have a, a, a marketing guy. He literally just bought a self-driving add-on to his car. Like, it's like an add-on thing. And I don't even know the name of it. But he has a car. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And like you add it onto the wheel and then it goes into your radar and it scans the road. Okay. And he, it's, it's a, and, and you know, he, he's, he's, um, He's driving, you know, between LA and Sacramento. Sacramento's our, our company headquarters. And he, he lives in LA. And he's like, look, I, you know, I-5, it's a straight shot up. It's flat. It's, you know, there's not a lot of... And so, like, he has a add-on for a self-driving car. Right. The world wow. is shifting. Like, sure. it's shifting. 
And what we do is we help people realize what pieces of their business do they have to continue to own and focus on. That's business school 101, right? Mm -hmm. Any MBA program is like, what's your core business? What's the thing that you have to really be world-class at? What's the thing that you have to continue to do? And then what can you just give to others and outsource? That's the conversation that we're having right now is like, what pieces are important to your business? What pieces can't be outsourced? And then what can? Yeah, that's Thinking great. we can outsource this, Harry. Just have them out. Uh, no, we well, have a couple of bots named Eric and Harry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you guys have a great, this oh. is a great point. I'm here with you, right? Right, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't outsource this, these stories. Like I can't outsource, you know, could we hire somebody to have this conversation? For sure. Are there great personalities out there that could take this job over? For sure. And they would do an okay job. But yeah. even this piece, I don't give it away. There Not yet, go. anyways. Right. It, it's no. so right what you right. said, but I'll be honest with you. A few months back, I, would, I don't know if you guys get these phone calls, but like, it, it'll come from a local number. I pick up, and the first thing out of their mouth is, please don't hang up. You know, <laughs> Your car <laughs> warranty is whatever. We've been trying yeah. to read you about your Google account. And it's like automated, automated, automated. I had, I don't know how many dozens of them. And then finally a phone rings. I pick up again and it's a live cold call. I was so excited. I talked to that person for 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you make a great point, right? So companies are never going to get, I think companies are never going to be able to give up loving on their clients. And I think a cold call, prospecting call to, to find out if there's interest or a pain point that can be solved, I don't think that can be given up. That, that might be the most important job inside of any co company, generating revenue. Sure, sure. Hey, Daniel, what's the biggest objection that you, or the most common objection that you guys usually deal with when you're talking to businesses? It depends their size. Um, you know, under under a couple million dollars in revenue, it's always about training. Like, how am I going to have the time to train this person? I'm really busy right now. And you remember, we talked about buying some of your time back. There's mm -hmm. like this X, right, with your time. In the beginning, lots of time and no value, right? Because it's onboarding and new people. We, we have four new people who just started last month or this month, actually. They started at the beginning of this month. They haven't you know, they've onboarded two people. They've, they've literally helped us onboard two people out of like 120. So we have four people that are responsible for two hires for us. And it's been a whole month, you know? So in the beginning, it's really hard. You've got to onboard them, spend time with them, teach them the systems, help them understand your company, origin story. It's just, it's a lot of time and energy and effort on an organization when you're onboarding a new pe person. As you grow and scale, it becomes more about how are you going to properly protect my data? How am I sure that this person is going to show up every day? How do I know that they're great? And so we've, we've solved both issues by having really great um, tools and things to give away. In fact, that's one of the things I want to do is I want to give away a copy of our book, if that's possible. Awesome. Um, because all of those things, like how do we protect your data how do we know they're working? How do we work with somebody in another country? How do you contract? All those things we've solved and we've given our people a guide to get through that. And then also the onboarding and training. We've got the virtual playbook, which is exactly the step-by-step -step ways 
to put your training in a system and a process so it takes less of your time. And so we've got that along with the four positions that we talked about, like here's everything that you need to do put in place in order to outsource your sales development reps, your prospecting, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've got a checklist in that in, a cha- in chapter 12, I think, about how to do that. And, um, you know, because here's the thing, we want our customers to be successful with virtual assistants. We believe this is the way of the future. We believe all businesses are at some point will become blended. And uh, this isn't just for the Fortune 500s. My, you know, they've been, they've been outsourcing and building bl- blended teams since the 70s and 80s. And us slow, medium, and small businesses, we haven't embraced it. So it's our mission to help businesses really learn to scr- uh, scale and grow with virtual assistants. What's the name of the book? So it's Scaling Your Business mm-hmm. with Mod Virtual Professionals. And for your audience, we can give them a link or a text code and they can grab a copy for free. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and uh, right. yeah, we, I mean, if you don't mind, we'll put that code in the show notes so everybody can can get that and you'll get hopefully their email addresses. What, um, I had a nice question and now I don't know where that question I have one. Went. Don't you love that, Harry? Yeah, I have one about SDRs. Cool. So in sales, uh, it's been my experience that you have the frontline marketing uh, people that mm-hmm. might generate leads that are coming in off the website or somewhere, typically the yep. website. Yep. And they're passing those on to salespeople. Yep. And in general, what's the attitude of salespeople when they get leads? The leads suck. And These then leads suck, right? Yeah. Yep. How is that different with SDRs where your maybe companies, SDRs are generating leads and salespeople typically have this marketing versus sales mentality and say, I mean, are they saying the same thing or is it different in your world? I love it. In fact, I think what you just nailed is, is probably in a sales organization, the most important thing to understand. So we have a two-step sales process. Uh, our marketing team and our SDRs generate the opportunities And then our sales team closes the opportunities. And here's the reason we have this bifurcated sales um, process. I've always thought, do we really need SDRs? Because we could just give those leads to a salesperson. And then, and, and that salesperson could just close them and they could find out, they could do the discovery call. They could find out if they have a real need and, and then the salesperson could just close them. But the nature of salespeople is not to like, it's not to dive deep. It's to not waste their time. They, salespeople want to get the easy leads, go fast, you know, sign people up, set, you know, set the expectations. But a great salesperson looks for shortcuts. They're, they're people people and they don't want to do hard work and they don't, they don't really want to nail it. And a great SDR, their job is like, I need to get them all. I, if we had a hundred leads, I need to get all hundreds set up. That's my job. And they're loving on the, on the client. They're finding out what their need is. If you mix those two, in our experience, we've seen lower results because the SDR's focus is just get them on the calendar, get them on the calendar, get them going, right? Mm-hmm. And then the sales rep, their focus is close them. But they don't have to worry about discovery. They don't have to worry about if they're a fit. They don't, all of the concerns that you hear, like the leads suck. I'm like, no, they don't. The lead score, you know, we score every single lead that yeah. comes in, by the way, based on revenue, team size, and like what their pain point is. So mm-hmm. we know they have a pain point, they need help, 
we know what their revenue is, how many people are on their team, what their technology looks like. A salesperson may or may not collect all that information, may or not, may not score them right. Let's say they, they just won't. Say, yeah. Maybe <laughs> they'll just say, oh, that lead sucked. Right, Sorry, Daniel. Yeah. And so we, we absolutely have a two-prong in our business and we help our clients set that up because mm -hmm. the SDRs don't necessarily care whether or not the lead's going to close. They just care that they're qualified. The mm -hmm. salesperson doesn't, necessarily want to go through all the work of figuring out whether this person is, is a good fit or not, but they want to close. Sure. And so those two different perspectives together create the best funnel possible. Okay. So is there, uh, do they work together or do the leads just come in from an SDR and, you know, do the people that are getting, and I'm asking this for a small business that may have a sales team. Yep. And, the best way to make that call is obviously it's a warm call, but if they don't know, like, so the, if the relationship is established with, let's just say the name of the person who the SDR sales development rep is Mike. Yep. So Mike establishes the relationship. Mike passes it along. And then, you know, they've got some knucklehead named Harry. Here's the beautiful. Okay. No, here, here's the beautiful the thing. Yeah. The SDR doesn't, establish a relationship. Okay. And right. that's, that's not their job. All right. Their job is to assess the right readiness of the client, the revenue and, and the cu customer fit, like revenue, team size, pain point, and then book it at their convenient time. Mm -hmm. So this is the beauty of it. The SDR, there's no relationship development. Although, you know, they would say there is a little bit and the lead might feel really good about the call. But the real relationship is created when you're helping somebody. And the like SDRs, it. you know, their, their, their job is to book appointments and that's their, their wheelhouse. Our sales team, their job is to develop relationships, love on the client, mm -hmm. help them. And so those, those two prong um, I get you. Uh, outcomes for yeah. the roles actually work really, really well together. Um, and so if, if, if you're listening and you're thinking about setting up an SDR team, you know, the, the real secret sauce there is to have enough leads, do a lead scoring and make sure that the system, the, the sales team isn't the manager of the SDR. Those are two separate, two separate entities. They live alone. They have different outcomes. They have different measurements. And uh, when you do that, right the sales team can't point back and say the leads suck. The SDRs can't point back and say the salespeople suck. I mean, they can, but we, we, we're, we're looking at conversion rates on both sides of those wheels. Oh, that's interesting. What's an average investment for a company to get some SDRs or salespeople or marketing people? Yeah, normal, it's between four and $500 a week. I mean, it's really inexpensive if you're building a really true sales organization per person. So, um, and the range is because some of our clients and customers choose a three-month or six-month or 12-month plan. So we have annual contracts. They're obviously the best price. And then we have three-month contracts, the most flexible. Um, and so they're a little bit more um, in terms of cost. But, you know, normally our customers come in, they're paying around $400 a week for a full-time employee 
every day. Our people get vacation, healthcare for them and their family. Um, we do conferences. It's like a full, it's a real, we're a real company. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I feel like the, the Pinocchio. Are, are we I'm a real boy. <laughs> I'm a real we boy. <laughs> we believe you, Daniel. Yeah. We really I do, honest. I, I swear. Know. Was my I know, nose growing? Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. No, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, that's great. What um what what were you hoping we ask you that we didn't? Hmm. This has been a great call, you know. Um I don't think if you're listening right now and you're considering it, um I'm going to give everybody my one question that is my favorite question. When somebody comes through, I ask them, if I held a gun to your head, now, if you're sensitive, we'll call it wave a wand, you know, wave a wand for the sensitive Californians, hold a gun for your Midwesterners and Yorkers who are a little bit more. And Floridians. uh, Floridians. Sure. Um, But if I, if I waved a wand, and I said, you had to double your business in the next 12 to 24 months. What would you have to do and who do you need on your team? And Eric, I'll explain this. It's very simple. No billionaire buys a sports team for $400 million and then says, I'm going to do it myself. The first question they ask is, okay, I've got the sports team locked up in contract. Who do I need to hire so that I can get to the the game day, whatever it is, you know, I'm not a sports guy. So mm-hmm. the pendant, if you're a baseball guy, the NFL, I don't what's Super Bowl. There you go. It's true. So the, it's a good analogy. It, the, the question isn't, what do I need to do? What has to change in my business and who do I need to hire in order to double or triple my business? That's my favorite question. If you're listening right now and you made it all the way to the end, thank goodness. And I'm sorry you had to go through all this and get the question at the end. But if you're listening right now, I would encourage you to sit down, focus on that question, get your org chart, look at how you generate revenue, figure out what your obstacles are, and then ask yourself that question. Who do I need on my team so that I can double or triple? Yeah, I like it. I'm thinking about the... uh the perennial losers uh, from the 60s to the 80s, except for a couple of seasons with the New England Patriots. Uh, when Rob, Robert Kraft bought that team, yeah. the first guy he hired was uh, uh, the guy that, oh, <laughs> of course, Bill Parcells right, yep. from the New York Giants, who's won uh, multiple Super Bowls. And we knew as Patriot fans, like, this team is going to change overnight. Yep. And really over the last, uh, and I know Eric loves this, but over the last uh, nearly 30 years, uh, you know, it's been a dynasty uh, minus a couple of seasons. But it's really been the team he's put himself around. Or, you were yep. watching him in the 60s? Uh, you know, I was there uh, when football was invented, right? Yes. Win one for the Gipper. I was actually the guy that coined that phrase back in the Jeez. 1920s. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you. you for thank you for um, adding validity to my argument. Who do you need to hire? I love it. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks we, a lot, Daniel. Yeah. Legacy question, Eric. Yeah. What legacy are you leaving behind? Love your question. Um, so the Mod Movement is part of a charitable organization that we we launched in the Philippines and in the U.S. And so every year, our customers help us do some amazing work. Um, 
three years ago, we built an orphanage for 50 kids. Last year, we built an old folks home for 120 people. Um, and this year, we've supported families who have been devastated by the pandemic. And um, I really love the work because um, most charitable organizations, half of their proceeds go to run the organization and, and so you're lucky if it's a 50-50. Like that's a good one, right? Mm -hmm. um, but our organization, because we have so many folks involved in it and so many customers who contribute to it, 100% um, of the money that we raise goes to make impact in the world. So if you're listening and you need a good reason to reach out or jump on our website, myoutdesk.com, know that not only are we doing a really good thing by helping you build your business, scale it, double it, but we're actually making impact in the world. Um, and yeah, it's been a wild, fun ride. It's good to see um, the good that you can do by just considering creating an organization and then getting people to be involved. Damn, that's really good, Daniel. Let me ask you, why the Philip? No, yeah, Philippines, right? Why, why the Philippines? It's a great question. Um, in, in Southeast Asia, um, there are multiple different countries in that region that would be um, low cost. Here's, here's the thing that we're doing. A soda costs $2 in the US. If you go to a restaurant, order a soda, two bucks. In the Philippines or other parts of the world, that same soda is 25 cents to 50 cents. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing is allowing somebody in the US or Canada to take advantage of lower cost of living, lower cost of goods, and get a high caliber person to help them leverage their business, right? But in the Philippines, 94% of the people um, are Catholic. So it's a Christian community, which aligns with the Western's uh, value set. The other issue is English is a first language at that, in that country. So you're driving down the street, all the, all the signs, all the medical journals, all the laws, their newspapers, it's all English. So if you, you know, from a communication and a value aspect in Asia, it's the best match to our value set. And so that's made, you know, the fact that we have SDRs, admin people, marketing people, it just, it makes it easier. And so it's just a great location. Got it. That's interesting. Awesome, Daniel. Well, thanks a lot for being here with us today. If you guys, you know, if you're running a business, even if you're a solopreneur, you probably are the one that needs this the most. Get the stuff off your plate, somebody to write up your proposal, schedule your meetings for you, create your PowerPoint presentations. Imagine what your business can do if you are constantly client facing and not worrying about all that other junk that goes along with it that I personally can't stand doing myself. <laughs> and uh, Daniel, great business concept, great idea. We're lucky to have um, hosted you here on Lead, Sell, Grow and wish you the best of luck with your organization. It was yeah, great, Eric. Daniel. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Eric. I've had a great time. We did too. All right, good deal. From here to there, you're gonna grow because you've listened to our show. If you like our podcast vibe, don't be a stranger. Hit subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to join the B2B Sales Secrets Facebook group and we'll see you on the next episode.